Hi, this is Dodie Stevens. I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. We are off on another adventure here at On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 449 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, by the way. We have Dodie Stevens joining us. She had the hit back in 1959 called Pink Shoelaces, and uh, she was in some movies and, of course, she was on TV, and she uh, also has a little something going on right now that uh, is going to be interesting to hear about. So get ready for that. Dodie Stevens is coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. We're also going to get, take a look at uh, April releases in theaters and on Blu-ray and DVD. So we're going to get ready for that. And uh, next week I'll be on vacation. I'm going to be heading out, so... Uh, I won't be doing a show next week, but we'll return the following week. And uh, let's get into it. It's time for Remake Madness right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness. It looks like uh, as far as remakes coming your way in April in theaters, April 17th, Going in Style. Now, this was a movie that uh, was originally done back in 1979 and had... uh, George Burns in it, and uh, it was it was kind of good, a good movie. And uh, they've remade it, and it, this one stars Morgan Freeman, Alan Arkin, and Michael Caine. Now, that's quite a lineup, and uh, it's also, uh, you know, going to be a comedy, of course, and uh, you might want to check that one out. As far as remakes, that's it for remakes coming your way in April. Next on On Screen to Beyond, we'll take a peek at what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies coming your way in April. Arnold Schwarzenegger will be starring in Aftermath on April 7th as uh, an error by an air traffic controller kills a man's wife and daughter. And then he sets out to set things right. April 7th, Gifted arrives. It's uh, starring Chris Evans as a man raising his prodigy child niece. April 21st, it looks like Katherine Heigl will be starring in Unforgettable as a pathological ex-wife. And The Promise on April 21st with Christian Bale. And he's back, and he's involved in a love triangle. April 28th, it's going to be bringing us How to Be a Latin Lover. Now, this is a comedy, and Selma Hayek is in it, Kristen Bell. And uh, Emma Watson and Tom Hanks will be starring in The Circle on April 28th. That's it for upcoming new movies in April. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as sequels in April in theaters? We've got it next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
April releases in theaters. It looks like, as far as sequels, uh, not too many, but we have some. Uh, we have April 7th bringing us Smurfs, The Lost Village. And it's going to be coming to the big screen. And it continues the story of the Smurfs, of course. And on April 14th, it looks like Fate of the Furious will be continuing the Fast and Furious saga. And Vin Diesel will be returning for this one. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD in April? TV on DVD coming your way in April. Well, April 4th, it looks like uh, the Carol Burnett show, The Best of Tim Conway. Now, this is a really good one. I've had a chance to preview this one. And uh, it, it's, it's you know, Tim Conway, it's just the best of his stuff, and it will crack you right up. And also, Different Strokes, Season 5, The Good Wife, The Complete Series, and Medium, The Complete Series. April 11th, you can look for Father Knows Best, Season 5. Mars on Blu-ray, the complete series, and Veep, Season 5. April 18th, Hawaii Five O, the complete series, will be coming your way. April 21st, the Statler Brothers show, the best of Season 1. And April 25th, look for The Affair, Season 3. That's it for TV on DVD coming your way in April. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it is Movies on DVD coming your way in April. Movies on DVD coming your way in April. April 4th, you can look for Office Christmas Party with Jason Bateman. Star Wars Rogue One with Felicity Jones. April 11th, look for Hidden Figures with Octavia Spencer. Lion with Rooney Marr. And it looks like Monster Trucks with Lucas Till will be coming your way. April 18th. The Founder with Michael Keaton will be coming your way. Sleepless with Jamie Foxx and Split with James McAvoy. And on April 25th, Arrival with Amy Adams, La La Land with Ryan Gosling, and Underworld, Blood Wars. That's it for movies on DVD coming your way in April. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time. Well, The Big Bang Theory, it has been renewed, not just for one season, but for two more seasons. And it's been renewed for season 11 and season 12. So that's uh, big news for the fans of the CBS show, The Big Bang Theory. And we have two sad things coming our way. Rock legend Chuck Berry passed away this past week. So sadly, we have to say goodbye to him. And also, Chuck Barris, known for the gong show, as uh, the host, of course, and creator. And he also brought us the dating game, the newlywed game, and many other game shows. And uh, also, another fact is uh, he wrote the hit song, Palisades Park. And uh, sadly, he has passed away. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's find out whose birthdays are coming away. It's Celebrity Birthdays next. <laughs> Celebrity birthdays, it is March 24th that, um, who is this? Oh, speaking of Big Bang Theory, Jim Parsons turns 44. And it looks like Louis Anderson turns 64. And on March 25th, Elton John, the Rocket Man, turns 70. 
And it also looks like um, Sarah Jessica Parker turns 52. And on March 26, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith turns 69 years old. And Diana Ross turns 73. March 27th, Mariah Carey turns 47 and Fergie turns 42. On March 29th, it looks like Scott Wilson, past guest here at On Screen and Beyond, Academy Award nominee, and also from The Walking Dead, turns 75. And Lucy Lawless, Xena, turns 49. On March 30th, it's Celine Dion turning 49. And on March 31st, William Daniels, great actor, turns 90. And that is it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, we didn't have any coming in this week that pertain to happy birthdays on this week but um, or this coming week. But if you, a friend or a relative, are going to have a, a birthday, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Let me know when it is, and we will all wish you a very happy birthday. So happy birthday going out to all those celebrities. And next on On Screen and Beyond, Dodie Stevens. She uh, had a great hit back in 1959, reached number three on the Billboard charts, and it was Pink Shoelaces. And now she's still going strong. She's got some projects going on, and we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. Dodie Stevens next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is a singer who in 1959 sang the hit song Pink Shoelaces. She also appeared in several movies with the likes of Fabian, Ben Gazzara, Ray Walston, and Vincent Price. She has a new body and mind fitness program out called Affirmicize. It's Dodie Stevens. Dodie, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thanks, Brian. I'm very glad that I can be a part of your show. Now, Dodie... Um, there's so much to talk about here. I mean, uh, you had, of course, the, the hit song reached uh, number three on the charts, right, back in 1959. Yes. And uh, it, it's, uh, I was listening to it the other day just to, you know, to, doing my research, and it, it's, it's such a fun song. And, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's just uh, so much fun to listen to, to music like that from the 50s. And, I know. It was a novelty song, and there was definitely that genre of music, you know, mm-hmm. purple Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm, now it's all escaping me. Itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, yellow polka dot bikini. Yes. I think that's it. Anyhow, but the, you know, there was, as I said, definitely that genre of music, and and I was one of them that recorded a novelty song, um, especially because of my age. I was only twelve when I recorded it, I know. and I was thirteen when. The record company released it. That's amazing. Now, all right, before we get into the song and everything, and of course you're, what you're doing now and everything, let's start at the beginning. I mean, you started at a very young age with a with a hit song, but but what led up to that? Were you into, you know, was your parents uh, mm-hmm. putting you toward this or what? Okay, this was the thing. I, at a very young age, I'm talking toddler age, maybe three-ish or so, I was told by my parents that I was singing all the time. Really? I loved to sing. My mom liked to listen to the radio, and I would just pick up these songs, and I'd sing along with them. Um, 
my father had a beautiful operatic voice. And, of course, back in that particular time frame, you just you didn't pursue that. He went to work at a very young age. I don't even think he finished grade school. He was born in Italy. But he could have been like another Caruso. And then my mother was this wonderful dancer, and she um, uh, was a dance instructor at a ballroom in Chicago where my mother and my father met. So my mom had the talent for dancing. My father had the talent for singing. And I think they both noticed that I... I had some kind of a talent as well. So moved from Chicago to Los Angeles so they could give me voice lessons. At the age of five, I had my first voice lesson, dance lessons and all that business. My sister, too. I have an older sister. And so we both were able to have lessons in the arts. She didn't like it. I did. So they didn't force her. Mm -hmm. They said, you don't like it, okay, go throw the baseball, because she loves sports. And I just continued singing in my lessons and all that. And and during the course of several years, I would audition for talent shows, and um, I auditioned for the Art Linkletter House Party TV show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember oh, that. yes, yes. But I auditioned for that, and I had a guest appearance on that show at the age of seven, singing um, a song called Merry Go, Merry Go Round. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then at the age of eight, I auditioned for the Frankie Lane variety show. Mm-hmm. And I was hired to do two of his shows. Wow. And so I was just kind of always doing that kind of stuff while I continued to take lessons. And then I was doing another local TV show in um, Hollywood, and I was discovered on that show. I was 11 years old at the time mm-hmm. for that show. And I was discovered on that show. A, a record, um, um, an owner of a record company, Crystalette Records, was watching the show and saw me and contacted my parents backstage and asked if I was signed to anybody. And, of course, not. No. So he said, okay, well, because she's so young, I need to find just the right song for her. And that was that. Wow. Um, almost a year and a half later, he called. So we had kind of forgotten about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he calls, he says, I think I got a song for your daughter. It's called Pink Shoelaces. And that's that. That's how that started. Mm. And you don't sound like a 13-year-old on the song. You know, and I think what that's all about, and especially now that I'm also, um, I do voice teaching and performance teaching, it's because of the training that I had as at such a young age okay. that you're, you're working muscles, you're you're working your vocal cords, and as you're growing and they're developing, while well, you've got all this really good training, then it's it's kind of um, escalating things a lot quicker. So when I was 11 years old, I, I sounded like I had. The voice of an 18-year-old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You but know, even your presence. Um, and that's also one of the reasons why when I um, signed over to Dot Records, um, they wanted to really show my vocal talent because I was singing Judy Garland songs and ballads and things that, you know, most teenagers couldn't sing. Right, yeah. But I was able to do them because of all my training. Mm-hmm. But your, your presence... Uh, 
you didn't look like a 13 year old uh you know like uh, maybe you were older when you were on the american bandstand were you no i wasn't i was 13 really see and, and i wouldn't have thought that when i saw saw that uh that clip that uh you know being a 13 year old i mean you know, most thirteen-year-olds are running around, and, and they're not—they're not singing with Dick Clark. You know. No, but but you know, also you have to understand that there I was, right in the middle of the music industry, right. and everybody. There wasn't anybody else my age, so my role models were older teenagers, um, young adults that were already in their twenties. A lot of the groups back then were already in their twenties. Right. So that's who I wanted to look like. You know, I wanted to dress like them, and I wore makeup, and so that's probably. Yeah. Were, were there any particular artists that uh, you were trying to, to be like or wanted to be like? I wanted to be like Sandra D. Ah, yes. <laughs> I even dyed my hair blonde, which was a big mistake. <laughs> you know, being Italian um, didn't go well with my with my skin coloring. So, but oh, I so wanted to be like her. Yeah. I thought she was so pretty, and I just you know she didn't sing. That that was okay. I just wanted I wanted to look like her. Hmm. No, it, so, it, and Annette. Yeah, that was somebody else that I wanted to. Who's emulate? And I think she was sixteen Annette. at the time. Yeah. So it was all these people that were older than me. Yeah. And Jeez. that's probably why I looked older. Yeah. What made them decide to take a song like that, that that obviously was was a neat little song, uh, and, and instead of giving it to, you know, somebody who was out and having hits, why did they decide to give it to you, do you know? Well, as I said, I was discovered on this local TV show by the owner of Crystalette Records, which was a independent record record label mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And he was just trying to get started. He had a, a few artists on his label. They were a little bit older. Um, but with me, he just felt it was a perfect marriage. Yeah, it was, too. I mean... <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Because yeah. it really did, because of my age... And the genre of music that it was, it appealed to a lot of age groups. Um, a lot younger, five, six-year-olds love that song. Yeah, yeah. So, and teenagers, of course, and mm-hmm. a little bit older. And so it uh, it had a huge market. And I, I think that's, that's why, because I've been told that the writer of the song, her name is Mickey Grant, she uh, recorded it and... and submitted it to many record companies and they all turned her down just they, they turned her down they, they i don't know if they didn't like the song or the voice or the combination of the two i don't know what it was so when she submitted her song to crystalette records i think he had the same take well i like the song but not necessarily with this artist singing it yeah but i think i know who can yeah huh wow and that's how that came about. Yeah. Now, you said you were you auditioned for, like, the Art Linkler house party show and everything. At, at, I, I'm not sure what age you were when you did that, but uh, did you realize, I mean, Art Linkletter, this guy was, <laughs> you know, the, the, he was the, the show everybody was watching. Back. I know, he was huge. Yeah. I know. So did you realize that when you were uh, auditioning for his show? I, it's it's hard to think back when I was seven years right. old when I auditioned. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I realized it. I just, 
I'm just happy to be singing and performing right. in front of an audience. Yeah. I was never stage fright, never had stage fright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and, know, I, and, maybe it was because I started so young. Right, yeah. That I, I didn't have those, those things that, you know, when you get older, you think, oh, who's watching me and do I look good? And I didn't care. I was just doing what I love to do, and that was sing and perform. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. I just loved it. Yeah, and... and being on Art Linkletter, I mean, like you say, that's the show everybody would go home and watch. Yeah. And it was just such a, a big show that uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I didn't think about it. <laughs> I'm sure my parents did. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Oh, but not me. They must have been well, I thrilled. I to, didn't know. That you were, I did know when I was 13 and I was on American Bandstand. Now, that was completely different. Then I knew. <laughs> I was really doing something big. Yeah, yeah. Because I, mean, I would rush home from school every day and watch it, watch all my favorite dancers, and, and there was always a, a, an artist on the show singing their latest recording, and, you know, so. Yeah. What was it like? When I you... got to actually be on the show and sing my song and meet Dick Clark and see all those dancers. Yeah. For real, you know, and standing in front of me. Oh, my God. Yeah. How was Dick Clark? Delightful. Just a wonderful man. Mm-hmm. Just kind and unassuming and just treated everybody equal. And he was just a great guy. Everything I think that your listeners have heard about him over the years, it's all true. Yeah. He's just a, a wonderful, wonderful man. Now, when you were on the show, uh, was you, had your record peaked, or was it on its way up, or where was it on the charts at that time? Do you remember? As I recall, it had all—it was already up on the charts, pretty high. I don't think it had gotten to number three yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe I—I'm I, I, not sure. I can't even remember. I know that I recorded the song in December of 1958 when I was still twelve. In February of 59 is when I turned 13, and I believe it was in March that it started to skyrocket. Hmm. Wow. That's incredible, too, because back then um, there weren't, like you said, a lot of young singers uh, at that time. It wasn't, you know, it's not like YouTube. There's all kinds of them out there, and they the record companies grab them and, and you know, try to make hits out of them and everything. Yeah. But back then, uh, they weren't all, you know, I mean, there was no place like YouTube or anything for, for people to find somebody, and you were lucky to to have been found. But to to have them take a chance on, on somebody so young, that's, that's incredible. I know. Well, I, they, this... Uh, his name is Carl Burns. He's no longer with us, but um, he was the owner of Crystalette Records, and I think he just saw something yeah. in me because I I did display such a talent beyond my years at the time he saw me at the age of 11 that he was just certain that I was going to be a star. I don't think there was a question in his mind. Yeah. Well, it, some so, people can see it. They can see something in people, and they know, you know, and that's 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 why he was the head of the record company. <laughs> that's right. Why he was the president of the company. Right, yeah. Now, you developed into uh, also moving into acting, too, 
Uh, what, what was the reasoning for that? Was it was it the record company or just your parents directed you that way? Or, you know, a lot of times they the record companies try to, uh, you know, yeah. and all was it were they involved or did you just move into that uh, with your, you know, your parents? I had an agent okay. and I had a manager. Hmm. And I think it was either one of them or the combination of the two that had decided that um, I could also act. And because I was as popular as I was, I mean, I was a teen idol, mm-hmm. a female teen idol. And so when they were getting the uh, movie together uh, for 20th Century Fox, which was called Hound Dog Man, they cast... Um, Fabian in one of the starring roles. Mm-hmm. And he was huge. Oh, yes. <laughs> huge. Another teen idol. And so they just put the two teen idols together. I mean, I, you know, of course I had to audition for it and had to read a script, and um, they thought I was perfect for him. Mm-hmm. And of course I thought I was perfect for him, too. <laughs> the only one that didn't think I was perfect for him was him. Oh. Uh. <laughs> well, because he was 16. Okay. Yeah. 13. 16-year-old boys did not go out with 13-year-old girls. Right. <laughs> no way. It just didn't happen. But I, like every other young teenager, I, oh, God, I had such a, such a crush on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, oh. So when I got to be in this movie with him, and not just be in the same movie with him, but my part was, uh, my role was his girlfriend in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. now, so you you two became friends after. I mean, even I mean, oh, yeah. years later, you were still performing with each other, right? Oh yes. Uh huh. So it was was the friendship started back then? That was you know, or 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 was that you know he he really didn't want to talk to you back then? <laughs> I mean, he was very sweet. I remember that even. Though I knew I was just this little girl in his eyes, he was always very nice to me. Mm-hmm. He was nice to everybody. Yeah. yeah, he really was. He was he was a a very pleasant young man. Didn't seem to um have his his uh, fame go to his head in any way. So he was nice, but you know it wasn't the kind of nice I wanted. It wasn't until later on when I was more of a young adult in my twenties that we were doing some shows together that we of course had much more of a of a bond and a friendship mm-hmm. because yeah. now we were on equal ground. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Now now you mentioned Hound Dog Man. Uh the cast in that was quite a cast because Fabian was in it, Carol Lindley, yeah. Stuart yeah. Whitman, Claude yeah. Akins, Arthur uh-huh. O'Connell, Edgar Buchanan. I mean that's uh, there's a lot of uh, famous character actors. Some people may not re- recognize all those names, but yeah, but they know see their them, faces. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Edgar Buchanan was Uncle Joe on uh, the Petticoat Junction, and <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's it, it, it's such yeah, a, it was a huge cast. It was a great cast. Yeah, I was so privileged and honored to be a part of of all of them, and uh, and the movie itself is it. Cute little movie. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, later on you did Convicts 4 in 1962, 
And there again, the cast was incredible. You had Ben Gassara, Stuart Whitman again, yeah. and uh, Ray Walston, who was my favorite Martian, Vincent yeah. Price, who, of course, everybody knows, Broderick Crawford, Sammy Davis Jr., Jack Albertson, Rod Steiger. I mean, <laughs> you were in some movies with some real powerhouse people. The heavyweights, wasn't I? Oh, definitely, definitely. I know. Well, you know, uh, Convicts 4, a, a lot of those names that, that you mentioned were what they called cameo roles. Okay. Where they weren't in the movie throughout, like Ben Gazzara was, of course. Walt Whitman, I mean, um, Stuart Whitman was um, as well. Um, but like Vincent Price, Sammy Davis Jr., a lot of those names, it was just like maybe one scene, two scenes, and that was it. And that... That happened uh, a lot in in uh, fifty nine, sixty, and you know the early sixties. Like I say, they were called cameo roles. Right. I was a cameo role mm-hmm. in that. I was in one scene. I had two lines, and you never saw me again. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez, they just drew in these people and and just uh, really, you know, came up with a, a cast that when you saw all those names, it was like wow. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I think that was part of the draw. That was what got the people to go to the movies and see it. Mm-hmm. They didn't know that they were only going to see them for five minutes or two minutes. Or... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So, it was boy. Yeah, yeah. Were you um, in all the, the teen magazines? You mentioned being a, a, a teen idol and everything. Did they, you know, have all kinds of teen magazines that you were in? Did you have trouble walking around? outside, you know, in the normal day? Were people running after you or anything? I, there wasn't a lot of that, certainly not anywhere near what it's like now to be a star. Mm-hmm. Um, I could go to a lot of the same places I used to like to go to, like the mall with my girlfriends. I don't know if there was a mall back then. There was just a Boulevard of Shops, right. as I recall. <laughs> I don't think it was a mall. Um, but so I could go shopping with my girlfriends. Um, I could go to restaurants and things like that. Every now and then, someone would recognize me and come up to me and ask for my autograph. But that was not the rule. That was um, the exception to the rule. Um, now, as far as paparazzi or anything like that, we didn't have that. Yeah. In fact, when you saw us in um, the teen magazines that were out there, mm-hmm. um, those were put together uh, okay. in a, like a, um, it was a, either a party situation where they got all the stars, whether you were a movie star or uh, music, whatever it was, you'd get all of us together at a club on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood and invite all the the uh, interviewers, the reporters, the um, photographers for the different magazines, mm-hmm. and they would put us all together. Oh, Dodie, but here, c- come take this picture of Fabian, or come take this with Frankie, or Paul, Anka, and Dodie, and, and they'd put us all together, snap the photo, and next thing you knew, you were in their magazine, and they said something about uh, Dodie and Fabian were seen together having dinner at something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they would do that. Or um, they would call the record company and ask if you 
could um, do a uh, photo layout with whoever, let's say Bobby Rydell. And they would take us both to the beach, and um, we would hang out on the beach. They'd take pictures of us on the beach or whatever the situation was that they wanted us to be in. And then they would put us in the magazine and write a little story about that particular combination of the two of us or three or four, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, that, that, it was so nice about not having paparazzi because you didn't have to worry about them following you or taking pictures or yeah. stalking you. or you, you could really live your own life yeah. if you chose to. Yeah. If it got to be a little too much, well, you just didn't go out as much. It never seemed to be a problem for me. Yeah. Well, that's good because, I mean, now it gets so ridiculous that these people... Oh, I feel sorry for them. I know. You know, they're they're hounded Life. and it's like, it's you know, leave them alone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, I, I mean, they everybody deserves their privacy. Of course they do, yeah. You know, and if they want to walk around in their sweats and no makeup and looking kind of shabby, let them yep. and don't let the whole world... Yeah, I know. It, it takes away, uh, you know, it's, it's it, there was more glamour back then. That's yeah. probably the best thing to... Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you let everybody think that. Yeah. But uh, now, uh, tell us about this Affirmicize program that you've come up with. Uh, How did this develop? Well, I'll tell you how it developed. It started out, in my mind, as a, a physical fitness program using songs to exercise not just your body, but songs to exercise your mind at the same time. And when I've told people that before, it was, um, you know, they'd say, oh, you mean like um, yoga or tai chi or, you know, a, a holistic fitness program. And it um, it's not that. It, it, um, it's not an exercise program. Although, how do I put this? I don't know. Stay with me, okay? <laughs> okay. Hang in there with me, Brian. I am, I'm gonna I am. <laughs> try to, and you can edit it any way you want. But um, what it basically is, is a concert. It's a performance. My daughter and I perform in the show. Mm-hmm. And what I've done is I have taken... My experiences in the music industry, which has been over five decades, and I've experienced the healing effects of music countless times. Mm -hmm. And I've also experienced the healing effects of positive thinking. And I've also been very active in physical fitness programs for years to keep my body healthy and fit and, you know, um, all of that's been important to me. So when I was thinking about this program, this fitness program, I thought, you know, there's so many fitness programs out there, exercise programs. I don't think I want this to be just another exercise program. I think what I want this to be is a show, a performance that encourages audience participation. So the way I developed it was I took, like I said, my experience on stage 
with music, fitness programs, positive thinking. I wrote all the songs for the show mm-hmm. using only positive lyrics. So you're, so you're like working out your, well, you're watching the show and listening to the show, listening to the music. You're actually having a, uh, um, a healing effect in your mind because you're thinking about only positive things. Hmm. Sounds good. And then I choreographed all the um, songs with the help of my daughter so that each of the songs has a routine in it that we do that is very repetitious and works a different works out a different part of your body. So it's kind of like an exercise but not really. I mean they all the moves are very simple and repetitive. So if you're at the show and you're watching it, you can easily join in. Hmm. Um so think you know think about it this way. You're at a concert. And um, most of the time there is an area right in front of the stage that is like a dance floor. And a lot of people want to get up out of their seats and stand on that floor and dance around to the music and sing along with the music and and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So while they're watching our show, they can get up out of their seats. They can join in on those dance moves that we do, because like I say, they're very, very repetitious, very easy. They can sing along with them, because once again, the songs are very repetitious. I wrote them for that purpose, because repetition is good. The body likes it, so does the mind. Mm -hmm. So you can sing along, you can dance along, like in a flash mob, have you seen a flash mob before? Yeah, never in person, but yes, I've seen the, you know the videos of them, yes. Yes, you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So you're doing something, people are, it's easy enough to, oh, I want to do this. This looks like fun. I'm going to join in. Uh-huh. That kind of thing. Or like line dancing or something. It's, right. You know, people, okay. everybody doing the same thing, the same moves in the club. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a whole other approach to a concert, yeah. not just, so, um, will you and Stephanie be doing this in like live shows, or are you going to be doing yes. a DVD or live shows? Um, of course, the um, songs will be available on a CD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've had we we've we've just started this. We've only performed it for four different crowds audiences and all of them and they have easily been able to follow all the dances that we do easily brian Mm -hmm. and they all say where can i get the cd i want to listen to it in the car or i you know it's it's one of those things that we can't get enough positive messages in our life Mm -hmm. where just you know look around there's a lot to be negative about oh yeah we're fearful about yeah yeah you know, there's a lot. So this is just kind of a way for one hour, one hour out of your day to counteract all the negativity that might be going on in your life or in someone else's life or, you know, something. Yeah. 
That sounds so great. It, it's very, very important to me. I, I wrote these songs because it's what I believe. I didn't just kind of pick it out of the air. It's what I believe. It's how I've lived my life for, for so many years. So that's why I thought, well, this is an interesting program. Mm-hmm. This is different. Yeah. This is unique. Huh. And I'm calling it a fermicide. Yeah, that's a nice name. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. kind of what it is. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So have you and Stephanie been performing together long? We have been for about 25 years. Wow, okay. Yeah. About 25 years. When I started the... Um, trying to think it was back in the 90s i think when there was a resurgence i think 1990 or somewhere around there where there was a resurgence of um oldies shows you know um and i was asked to perform on these oldies shows they're now called doo-wop shows Mm yeah the same thing it's just all artists from from that generation from the 50s and 60s and so when I started doing that, that's when I had Stephanie perform with me in my portion of the show because she's not just because she's my daughter, but because she's very, very talented. Yeah. And it's fun because the audience loves to see that second generation. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, they love it. I, I know we've worked with um, Frankie Avalon and Frankie. Uh, Frankie's drummer was one of his sons, and his guitar player was one of his sons. Uh, Bobby V, um, may he rest in peace. When we did shows with him, um, his um, drummer was one of his sons, and his bass player was wow. one of his sons. So, you know, there are those generations that like to do that. Yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah, it's always fun. So that's what I did, and the audience loves it. Yes. So when they they come um, to the meet and greet that we have after a performance, they love meeting her and you know having her sign an autograph and pictures that we've done together. And but I love performing with her. Yeah. I I just um I think it makes it a much more enjoyable show, and I enjoy it that much more. Yeah. And the audience feels more personal, I think, when, you know, something like that and the mother and the daughter are playing yeah. together. It's, yeah, I think so, too. It kind of makes you more real to them, like you say, more personal. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, yeah, that's why when this whole idea came about, I said, Steph, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm on to another project. <laughs> I, I don't let much, much grass grow under my feet. I just don't. I, I'm, I just turned 71, and... Um, you know, here I am with with um, this new project. Mm-hmm. You yeah. think that well, well isn't isn't that girl going to hang up that microphone <laughs> and retire? <laughs> yeah, 
retire. No, I just can't even imagine retiring. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you feel good and, and everything is, is, you're having fun doing it, when it's no more, longer fun, that's when you stop. That's when you stop. Ain't that the truth, Brian? Yep. yep. Exactly. That's when you stop. Yep. And like when I do these shows, I get a lot out of it. When, when I do a firmicide, uh, both Stephanie and I get a lot out of it. It's like a workout for us because we never stop moving mm-hmm. for one hour. Yep. For 10 songs, we never stop moving our body. Wow. Jeez. So we're working out our body and our mind with all the wonderful lyrics. Yeah that we're singing, and, um, and we're sharing that with people. That's the that's also the hit. When you look out there and you look out in the audience, you see all these people doing the dances, and you hear them singing along, and you see them smiling, and then they say, where can I get the CD? You go, I, I think I'm onto something. I'm really helping these people. Yeah. Well, Dodie, where can people get this? If, if In case they can't be at a live show, where can they get the, the, the CD? The CD, we are still working on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have two more songs that we need to master. It's not perfect, and if it's not perfect, it's not going to be on a CD. Okay. So we've got two more songs that we're going to be um, working on, and then it's going to be on a CD. At this point, it will be available. Once it is ready to be purchased, it'll be on my website, dodiestevens.com. Okay. And or, at that time, there will be a website for a firm size, but at the very least, on my dodiestevens.com, there will be a link to a firm size when I have that, um, okay, that so, website up So that's running. where people should... So right now, uh, you know, I wish I could say... Yeah, just go to my store and, and on my website, purchase it. It's right there. Not yet, but real, real close. I'd say probably within the next month, maybe two months at the at the most, okay. it would be available. Yeah, so they should keep checking DodieStevens.com. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Just well, keep checking that, and they will get the information. And, um, and I'd love to see them come to... One of our concerts, I, I um, have geared it towards corporate parties, private parties, special events, that kind of thing. That's what this show yeah. is wow. is about. So if any of your listeners know about anything like that, um, my contact information is right there on my website. Okay, great. And uh, <clears throat> before we finish up with the final questions, I just had one other, other thing to mention here. Um, a lot of people might not realize that later on in in the 70s and 80s and everything, you were actually doing background singing for Sergio, Sergio Mendez and Brazil 77. And you also were back up for Loretta Lynn, Frankie Avalon, Boz Skaggs, and Mac Davis. And Harry Belafonte, yes. Wow. I mean, <laughs> now, uh, were you on any of their songs that we'd know of? You know, some of their, their top 40 hits or anything? You know, the only one that I was was with Sergio Mendez, and um, it was on two of his albums, Live at the Greek mm-hmm. and Primal Roots. And all those songs, all Primal Roots was all done in, in Portuguese. Wow. So I had to learn how to. Well, just to be in the show, I, I needed to learn 
Portuguese. Right. Because with uh, Sergio, it wasn't just a background singer. Because with Sergio, if you're aware of of his um, his show, he always had two girls that sang all the vocals. Okay. Yeah. And so he was like in the middle of the stage with his piano, and then each of the girls were on either side of him, and we sang all the songs, like all your all the songs you heard, Mashkinada, Fool on the Hill. Going out of my head, all those songs. It was always the two girls. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So I was one of them. Okay. So, so I had to learn Portuguese phonetically real fast. <laughs> was it difficult? No. No, that's good. No, you know, you break it down phonetically. Um, it was it was easy. It's just you know it's just memory. I guess I had a good memory. Yeah. And. Um, and I knew I knew how to I knew what to do with the song, whether it was English, Chinese, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian. Mm-hmm. I was able to sing it. Yeah. Wow. Well, Dodie, I want to finish up with two final questions. Yes. Taking us away from a firmer size and your pink shoelaces and all of the movies you were in and everything. But when you sit back and relax, and I know you're very busy and you you probably don't, but uh, when you do, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past, and what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Wow, what a question. <laughs> wow. Favorite TV shows. Let me just start there. Favorite TV shows. Oh, my goodness. Anything that you, when you turn the TV on and if you happen to run by it through this, the guide, the, you know, the TV guide that you're looking through, and is there something that's, oh, i got to watch, you know, i got to watch the Andy Griffith show again or <laughs> something like that. You know, I don't, I don't watch, now my sister, she likes to watch all those shows from, like, Andy Griffith and, and all those, Columbo and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm more into the the newer things um i like 2020 i i like kind of the you know real i don't like reality shows because i know they're not real right yeah i know what you mean not the, oh the, the, no i it's i I'm, I'm very disheartened that that's the the uh direction that a lot of tv has taken that there's all these reality shows mm-hmm. um mm, mm, mm. yeah I, just I, anything but real I so i don't like that but i do like True stories, you know, things yep. that are going to get my interest. And it's like I say, I'll watch 2020 or um, maybe like a Dateline mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and then I'll get, now here's the, the female coming out in me, the feminine. I like to watch Say Yes to the Dress, and I see what these young people are doing <laughs> in getting their wedding dress. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's kind of sweet. Yeah. So... But that's and the past, the TV shows from the past. um, Well, I was a Columbo fan. I definitely was a Columbo fan. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, when you say past, like how, how, what, what? Any time when you were growing up, even you know, when you were just a kid, then. Well, I mean, it had to be American Bandstand, and that. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That was my absolute favorite. Yeah. Um, but you know, I like mis—I like mysteries. I like mysteries. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I like some of these twenty twenties and in true stories because um, 
um, it's informative and um, and then a lot of times ago it make me look at my life and go oh and I think I have problems come on <laughs> <Yes>. now you know <laughs> so anyhow there's that as far as movies oh movies if I could think of a most favorite movie well I'll tell you what really got a hold of me was uh, a summer place. Okay, there's a classic. Yeah, uh, that that had to be my all-time favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um, West Side Story. Loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as a current movie, I'm not much of a movie buff. I don't go to movies, Brian. Okay. Yeah. So I can't really say, oh, and this is my. That's Favorite current movie. Don't have one. Yeah. All right. Well, Dodie, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us and taking the time to talk to us. I wish you luck with uh, a firmer size. And, uh, thank you. And I, I thank you so much for sharing with us. You're very welcome. I wish you all the best. Continued success. Big thank you for Dodie Stevens for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. If you get a chance and you have never heard Pink Shoelaces, be sure to give it a listen. It's a good uh, classic song from the 1950s. And uh, Dodie, of course, uh, like you said, went on to do other things. Uh, She was in TV shows and movies and everything else. And now she has this new program going on. Check it out. A firmer size. All right. And that's it. That is it. That is the end of this week's On Screen and Beyond. We've got uh, more guests coming your way, so I hope you'll be sticking around. If you have a suggestion for a guest, you can send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Love hearing from you. Had a lot of people sending in and uh, talking about uh, Bert, Bert Ward, last week's guest here at On Screen and Beyond, who played Robin on the Batman TV show back in the 60s. And a lot of people enjoyed that one, so I appreciate that uh, you uh, took the time to send me an email and thank uh, thank me for that. It's uh, just it's good to hear from you. I love it. And we'll have more coming your way, so uh, keep listening. Like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, I'm going to take a week's vacation, so uh, I will be back after a week's uh, vacation. So uh, get ready for the next guest here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, that's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.